Hey there, friend. It's Clarissa, founder of Blossoming Fertility and the host of the Fertility Friends podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Listen, I know the path to motherhood isn't always easy, and you don't have to go through it alone. After experiencing my own fertility challenges, I discovered a passion for helping other women because I believe that everyone's fertility journey is unique and beautiful in its own way. As your new fertility friend, I'm here to support you through the tough times, to encourage you to keep going, and to restore your belief in your body's ability to get and stay pregnant. Grab your cup of tea, get cozy, and join me here each week for education, heartfelt conversations that'll warm your soul, and inspiring stories to help you feel seen and understood along the way. Listen in, because this one's for you, my friend. Hey there, friend. Welcome to episode 10 of the Fertility Friend Podcast. Today, I'm interviewing another special guest, Elise Smith. I'm thrilled to be bringing you this conversation because Elise has a very inspiring and unique fertility journey. I won't give away too many details just yet, but let's just say that it took her a very long time before conceiving her son. During our discussion, we talk about what got her through the challenges, how God supported her on her journey, and the missing piece as to why she wasn't getting pregnant, which was pretty surprising and not something that's very well known. So before we dive in, let me introduce you to Elise so that you can get to know her a little bit better. Elise Smith is a Christian business strategist and speaker who empowers women entrepreneurs to reach their sales goals by partnering with God, empowering their mindset, and teaching them to implement biblical business strategy, including organic lead generation. As a certified coach with the International Coaching Federation, Elise is passionate about filling in the holes that her clients are experiencing in their business in order to increase sales and their divine guidance to help them build their business in the Lord's way. This conversation is a powerful one. So without further ado, let's listen in. All right. Hello, Elise, and welcome to the Fertility Friend Podcast. I'm so excited to have you today. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Great. Um, Let's go ahead and get into this because your story is truly inspirational and I can't wait for people to hear it. So why don't we start by telling us a little bit more about yourself and maybe who you were before the fertility journey? Awesome. Yeah. So uh, my name is Elise Smith and I am a Christian business strategist. So I get to empower Christian women entrepreneurs to be able to reach their sales goals by partnering with God, empowering their mindset and utilizing biblical business strategy. Um, Outside of that, I've been uh, I live in Utah. And I have been married for 16 years Um, and not to give away the end of the story, but we have a (laughs) three month old miracle baby now. Um, And I can't wait to to dive into that with you guys. But the person I was before this fertility journey, like I was very shy and very (laughs) introverted. Um, And I think a lot of my experiences have helped me like get out of my shell. But I always just thought that when you got married, like you have kids and, you know, like that song, like first you kiss and then you get married and then (laughs) the baby in the baby carriage or whatever. (laughs) I always just thought that that would be me. Um, I have wanted to be a mom, you know, since I was just a little kid, everybody would ask, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, I want to be a mom, you know? And, uh, and so it was really shocking when it didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen. But I I believe that I'm, I'm a Christian. Like I said, I believe that God does everything for a reason and that it's his perfect timing and not ours, even though sometimes it can be really hard. So uh, that's the person who I was before really happily married. It was, everything was great. Um, but we, we were missing a piece of our family and, um, and so that's kind of what got us onto our journey. That's awesome. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that because I think 
the fact that you've always wanted to be a mom and when it doesn't happen instantly, that part can be really devastating and shocking almost, right? It's almost like, wait a minute, this is something that I've always wanted. Why isn't it happening? And it can be really hard to maybe understand. So why don't we get into a little bit more about your journey? So when you started um, officially trying, I guess, how long did you try for? Um, what types of things did you try? And what did that journey look like? Maybe just from kind of beginning to end. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when we got married, we said we're going to give it three years, have a strong marriage foundation before we bring kids into the world, right? Um, and uh, about three months into our marriage, I thought I was pregnant and I wasn't. And that was really hard for me. And I have been baby hungry ever since, <laughs> which was not good, right? Because at times, you know, it was it's such a struggle when you feel strongly that you're meant to have kids and your husband feels strong that you're not meant to have kids in that moment. And it's like, neither one of us is wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, you can feel the way you feel and I can feel the way I feel, but it was really, really hard to try and find that compromise. And so instead of waiting for three years, um, I think I finally broke him down. Now. Nice. <laughs> uh, he, he finally, you know, started to get those promptings from the Lord as well about a year into our marriage. Um, and so we started trying, we tried for a whole year and we were like, okay, nothing's happening. This is weird we thought we'd be pregnant by now. Mm -hmm. um, so then we started getting doctor help and, and went to a fertility clinic. And, you know, you start off with little things just because they don't know what's going on. So the Clomid and, you know, the different medications and, um, you know, clearing out your, your tubes, which hurts like crazy, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's supposed to make you more fertile. And, and, uh, I've learned that this is just the whole fertility process is just not a comfortable process. <laughs> so just throw that whole comfort thing out the window. <laughs> um, but, uh, so then after that, you know, after those things didn't work. Then we moved into IUI, which is um, interuterine inception, I think is what it's called. <laughs> I would just call it IUI. Yeah. Um, and uh, we tried a few of those, like the first one, I was like, okay, this is it. Like, we're going to actually, you know, make it happen in this way. If there's something wrong, then this is going to fix it. And I had a lot of faith and hope. Um, and the first one didn't work. And I was like, okay, well, you know, it's the first one. Right. Um, and then we tried the second one and it was like, okay, well, it's the second one. And then we got to the third one and we're like, okay, this is, this is going to be it. Third time a charm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and we just kept going at it and we, we did, six IUIs, um, because I have, a uh, tilted uterus. Okay. Um, and so they thought, okay, well, if your tubes were clogged or if you have a tilted uterus or, you know, different types of things, then you may want to try more than three. Usually you only do three IUIs. And so we thought, okay, well, if the, if those things were there, then let's just double it and double our chances. Right. Okay. And when we, got to that sixth IUI, we were just like, this is crazy. You know, they were talking to us about IVF and I have an extreme fear of needles. Um, and, and that was really hard and it didn't feel right at the time, um, to like, it kind of felt like forcing labor upon it. You know, I mean, uh, inception or conception, there we go, uh, forcing a baby on me. And, and so it didn't feel right. And so, you know, I just remember my husband and I, we were like, okay, we need to just take a break. And we need to switch our doctor because our first doctor was really more worried about stats than he was about the person, unfortunately. <laughs> and so, uh, so we took a break for uh, about six months to a year and just 
tried to enjoy life. We went traveling a lot and we did a lot of really fun things, which I'm grateful that we got a chance to do now. Um, but then we came back and we, we did three more IUIs with the new doctor. So, uh, we're talking nine, three, six, nine. Yep. Nine IUIs. Um, in fact, I think we even did, did we do, we did a 10th IUI actually. <laughs> what was that time frame? What was the span that you did those? Um, um I would say, well, the whole, the whole fertility process has been 14 years and we just did IVF last year for the first time. So it had been about 12 or 13 years that we'd been okay. going through that process with the 10 IUIs. Okay. Um, and that was, it was really hard. It was just, if you've been on a fertility journey, I, I, I was telling Clarissa this when we first met, it's like, it doesn't matter if you've tried for six months or 10 years, you know, the pain of wanting to have a baby of filling those aching arms that you have mm-hmm. and not being able to do so. And, and it's, it's hard, the ups and downs and the, yes, this is going to work. And I believe it. And I have faith. Uh-huh. And then the next minute you're like, is this ever going to happen? Or am I meant to have kids? And it's easy to doubt and to give up hope on that process, but I'm really glad we didn't. Um, so anyway, I'm going to stop there in the journey just in case you wanted to ask any questions, but that's up to our, our 10th IUI. So at this point too, I'm curious, did you have any specific conditions that were identified or specific barriers? Was How was like your cycle health, just anything like that, that um, would give you any type of indication that something was off? I know you mentioned the tilted uterus, which is a barrier, right? Um, mm-hmm. But was there anything else that was identified throughout this process? That was the frustrating thing is everything looked great. All of our numbers came back perfect. My husband's, you know, sperm count was amazing. And, you know, I I didn't have any issues other than the the tilted uterus, which really shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't keep you from getting pregnant. It can affect more of like the labor and delivery and the actual pregnancy itself. But it was really frustrating because we had unexplained infertility, which I think a lot of women do. A lot of people have unexplained infertility. And it's like, we go to these doctors to think that we can get an answer. But my husband had to remind me over and over again, honey, they're practicing, they're Mm -hmm. practicing medical, you know, and, and Mm, uh, (laughs) yeah. And it's hard because it's like, well, they should just know how to fix me. Right. Mm. And, and I just remember praying to God of like, just fix me. Right. All those scriptures, stories of, of him being able to heal other people. And I just thought, why not me? Why, why don't you heal me? You know? And, um, and we got to that 10th IUI that failed. And, um, I, I kept having this dream over and over and over again, and it was giving birth to a beautiful baby. I could see that, you know, the baby had my nose and looked like Chris in a lot of ways. And you could just see like the combination of the two features. And, and, uh, and so I'd give birth to this beautiful baby. And right as the nurse is handing to me, handing the baby to me, I'd wake up. And my arms were empty and my heart was hurting. And I'd go and look at the room that's supposed to be the baby's room. And I would just sit there and cry Mm -hmm. because I didn't understand why I couldn't have my heart's desire. Like we're, we're set financially, like we're good people. We want to raise our children as good people. Like I, we were the perfect parents, you know, like, why isn't this happening the way that we want it to? And 
And uh, so then I had that dream the night before and, and the day of when we got our, our blood test results back for the, the 10th IUI, um, I remember sitting in my office and my brother was working with me at the time and he, and he was sitting there too. And, um, and I got the call and I'm just thinking in my head, okay, congratulations, Elise, you're pregnant. Congratulations, oh. Elise, you're pregnant. Right. And, you know, she's like, I'm so sorry. It didn't work. And my brother, unfortunately, he said, what made you think it really was going to anyway? Oh, wow. And it hurt. Oh my gosh. Mm. It hurts so bad. And it's hard to hold on to your faith and belief and hope that it's going to happen when even your family members or other people around you are just like, give up and adopt. Like I have nothing against adoption. I think it's absolutely amazing, but we just feel like we're meant to bring children into the world in this way, you know, through my body. And, and so sometimes it's hard when people don't get it, you know, and, and that makes it even harder for you to hold on to that faith and that hope. And I share this very personal uh, moment with you guys, because I feel like that there are some people who need to hear this. Um, I, after I got that 10th IUI failed call, I went home and I just cried and I cried and I cried and I hit the ground. And I was just like, Heavenly Father, I can't do this anymore. I literally cannot do this. My body can't do it. My emotions can't go through it anymore. Like my spirituality can't go. I'm like, everything's affected. And I told God, I said, I'm giving up. I can't do this. And I'm not even kidding. I heard a couple, I don't know how many voices, we don't know how many kids we're supposed to have, but I heard voices that said, mom, don't give up on us yet. Mm. Oh, that gives me chills. And it was just like, okay, then I'm going to do, I'm going to be like 90 years old and still trying to have a baby (laughs) if that's what it takes, right? I knew I could not give up. And I know that we don't always get those moments where God or, you know, whatever we believe in is like giving us that vision and giving us that hope. But if we look for those moments where God carried us, you know, I love that, that concept of the the footprints in the the sand, right? When they turn into one footprint and it's like, that's when I carried you. And I think that's one of the best things about a fertility trial in general, because you feel broken, you feel worthless, you feel not enough throughout this entire process. But the most important thing, I think, is getting closer to your higher power through a really difficult time and getting to know yourself and becoming that person who is going to be a great mom um, or, you know, going to step into that success that you want to have. And so at that point, it was like, okay. We've got to go back to the doctor and we're going to talk about IVF because it turned from there's no way I can do IVF with all the injections and all that kind of stuff um, to I can do that with your help, Lord. I don't know how yet, Mm. but I can do it with your help. And and it was it was hard. It was really hard. We did uh, 30 injections in 12 days to um, do the the egg retrieval. Um, That was Ooh, that was pretty difficult. Um, but I had a, a moment where I, right before we started the needles, um, the day, the night before I was really freaking out. Like I was shaking so bad and I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to sleep this whole night. Cause I've got that. I know I've got that needle coming in the morning. And, um, 
And I asked God, I said, you know, can we just make this fun? Like, I don't know how this is going to happen, but let's just make this fun. And I woke up that next morning and it was like Christmas morning. Like I slept great and I woke up and I'm like, yes, like I'm so excited to do this, to just have the opportunity to get stuck with a needle so that we can have a baby. You know what I mean? (laughs) And that first one didn't hurt. It was amazing. Not to say they were all like that, (laughs) (laughs) but I needed that first one to just help me to remember, like, you can have joy in the journey, even when things suck, (laughs) if you look for it. And so, um, yeah, so I'll pause my story right there, but, but we can talk about, you know, exactly what happened with IVF, but I want to make sure I give you time to ask questions too. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is so great. And I, you're doing so amazing. I just, I love this story. I love the resilience and I love, I, I just think that's so special that you heard those voices too saying like, don't give up on us. And that really during your darkest time, during the hardest time that you were facing, you were ready to give up and you, you heard that. And that was that motivation that you needed to keep going because this was meant for you, right? Mother, motherhood is meant for you. Mm-hmm. Um, your baby was meant to be with you. You were meant to be his mother. And I just think that that's really special and really beautiful. And like you said, not everybody gets that moment, but I think maybe what set you apart too, is you asked for that support throughout, right? It wasn't that you just kind of gave up and didn't use resources. I feel like a lot of times, maybe we can't always ask for help from our family members or from our friends, but you relied on help from a higher source. And I think that, you know, God was there supporting you and all, all he needed you to do was ask and open up that door. And, um, I think that really sets you on the the path maybe that was meant for you, right? Um, so I think that's so beautiful. And it's just amazing to me that you you really didn't give up. Even I when I think about the amount of time, I guess, that passed between from when you started to then, that it took, you know, really, what was it like 12 years essentially to get to that breaking point? Yeah. Um, how did you cope the rest of the time? Like I, I had a three-year journey. I know I told you this and for me, those three years were so devastating and so challenging. And um, I don't know if I could have gone that long. I mean, I like to think that I could, but I think there are a lot of people who are facing um, the fertility journey right now and are in, I don't know, one year, two year, three year, four year. And they're thinking, oh gosh, how, how could I even go that much longer? What kept you going um, just year after year? Yeah. Great. Great question. Um there definitely were times, I mean, that's not the first time I wanted to give up. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think for me, it was just, I, I just had both my husband and I, we have such a strong feeling that we are meant to have yeah. children born to us. Like if God had said, like, it's not in the cards for you, go ahead and adopt. We would have done that 10 years ago. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that the main thing for me is that I just knew that God would give me a step and I would take it, Mm. give me another step. And I would take that. And that's all I could do Mm. is just to have faith enough to take the steps that I feel called to take, whether you include God in that or not, right? If you feel called to take that step, take that step Mm. and then wait for that next step to appear. It's Mm. like uh, that, that concept of faith, that faith is like walking up a a staircase only it's all you can see is one step at a time. And, and that can be really frustrating because it's like, well, when is this ever going to happen? You know? And if I, if I had known, if I could just say like, okay, Elise in 2023, 
you're going to have a baby. Then I wouldn't have (laughs) gone through all those moments to rely on my savior and to be able to find the strength that I didn't know I had. I mean, labor and delivery was scary, but when I think about everything that I went through to get to the point of even having a baby, I'm like, I got this. (laughs) Yes. Like I've already been through super, super hard things. And I already felt my, my savior right there beside me the entire time. And so that's, that's how I knew I could do it, but also not focusing on it all the time. You know, they, I hate the advice of just stop trying and it'll work, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just going to say that doesn't work, but what does work (laughs) is getting your mind off of it, Mm -hmm. right? Not that it's going to magically get you pregnant, but it's going to help you to love your life in the process. Find the things that you do love to do. We love to travel. So every quarter we would go on a vacation and we went to the Bahamas and Cuba and all these different, you know, Paris and all those different places that that are a whole lot easier to do when you don't have kids. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Not that you can't, but a whole lot easier to do. Um, and so, and then I lost myself in my business. That's when I really started ramping up my business and, and figuring out another purpose for myself. And if you just sit around at home and, and weep about not being able to have a kid all the time, then what kind of life are you having right now? And I know it hurts and I know there's moments where you're going to have that, but live now and live the moments that you have now and find purpose in the things that you have at this exact moment, because that's only going to help you be a better mom when you do have kids. So, yeah, that is so true. And, and you mentioned it too, right? Like finding that joy along the way, finding ways to make it fun, finding it ways to make it more enjoyable too. It's, it truly is. I feel that the fertility journey, if you're experiencing challenges, that it's a gift for you to, it's almost like that wake up call, right? That you, you realize maybe this path that I'm on, maybe this life that I'm living isn't how I'm meant to. And there's ways to change that. If you're not fulfilled in your career, you know, focusing on your business, if you're not fulfilled in your, your life for whatever reason too, if you're not doing enough, that does bring you joy. That's your, your wake up call moment to say, okay, how do I want to live? And not only how do I want to live now, but how do I want to live when my baby here is here earthside with me too, right? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of our habits, our lifestyles and things like that maybe aren't as conducive to bringing a child into the world as maybe we think they are. So what do you want that to look like? What's that vision for your future? And then how can you make it happen now versus waiting for that outcome? So yeah, I, I love that. I think that's that's beautiful advice and it just makes the journey so much easier for sure. So yeah. For sure. So you got through your first needle. <laughs> it wasn't as bad <laughs> as you thought. And then, yeah, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine that many injections. But um, mm-hmm. how did you, how did the rest of the IVF process and journey go? Yeah. So, um, so the, the first IVF process, so with all the needles and everything like that, um, we were able to have seven embryos, um, and we did do genetic testing on the embryos. Um, one, because we wanted to make sure, and and I know this is a controversial topic, so you can disagree with me on this listeners. (laughs) Um, but for us, we wanted to make sure that we were giving our child the best possible, you know, way that for them to, to survive. And especially because I knew that I couldn't go through a miscarriage. I've never had a miscarriage and I just, my heart goes out to those people who have. It's, it's interesting that I would probably choose a 14 year infertility journey over having a miscarriage. Like I just don't think my heart can handle it. 
And so we knew that if we did genetic testing, we would know that those embryos are, are good to go. Like we shouldn't have a miscarriage. And, and we also get to find out the gender of each one of the embryos too, which was really cool. I had no idea that was That's a thing. Cool. I didn't realize that either. That's cool. <laughs> and so we, I, I think we had seven embryos and one didn't make it through genetic testing. Um, and one failed the genetic testing. Um, and so it basically, I don't know if my numbers are adding up, but we had three boys and, um, two girls. Okay. And we always wanted a a baby girl. Like we just knew that that was going to be our first kid. We already had the name picked out and everything. Um, and so I did the first IVF knowing like, this is going to work. So we did it with a girl embryo and, uh, it failed. And that was really, really, really hard because we had a picture of the embryo and it was like a plus, 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 like it was like the perfect embryo, you know? And, and, um, I, I had gone back and forth on the concept of embryos. Like is, is there life in the embryo, you know, before it gets transferred into you and that kind of thing. Like, I'm still kind of wondering what that looked like, but I had a a coach that helped me through this at this time. And she said, you know, look at, instead of looking at these embryos, like babies, because I was terrified that I couldn't hold on to the baby or I'd never been pregnant before. So I didn't know what my body was going to do. And to lose that first girl embryo, I do consider her a child. I consider all of our embryos children. So it's a good thing we didn't have like 20 embryos because I have (laughs) to have 20 kids. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but she said, you know, look at it like they're capsules, like they're capsules for kids right? Just, it's an opportunity. It's not your actual child. And that helped me to kind of take some of the pressure off myself because I was just terrified that I was going to lose that embryo. And so the first one failed and it was completely just devastating. And then we asked the doctor, we're like, well, where do we go from here? Like what, what can we do? Cause yeah. we did, we did ICSI, um, IVF ICSI, and that's where they can kind of identify a little bit more about what's going on with your body. Okay. Unfortunately, it didn't really tell us anything, but it has told other women, um, what's going on with their bodies for different things. But because that first one failed, I was eligible to do uh, a new test. And really this test is only about two years old when it comes to like mainstream, not all doctors know about it or even recommend it. Um, But we did some research on it and it's called, and so I always call it a uterine biopsy because that's exactly what it is. But here's the actual name, (laughs) endometrial receptivity array. So it's an ERA. Mm. Um, and this, like I said, it's an endometrial biopsy. And for me, it was quite painful. I hear that it can be quicker for a lot of other women, but honestly, it was totally worth it because we finally got the answer that we were looking for. It was amazing. We've done so many tests, him and me and all of its unexplained infertility. And what this showed us, and I might get my numbers wrong because my husband's way better at telling this than me, but it, <laughs> okay. it usually takes about 144 hours. Did I, did I say that right? <laughs> He's walking by. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but it usually takes 144 hours for a woman to release an egg for it to meet up with the sperm and become an embryo and implant into the uterus before the uterus is kind of like shut off and good to go, right? And this ERA, this endometrial receptivity array uh, test, uh, endometrial biopsy, was able to tell me that my body is off 17 hours from most women's bodies. Mm. I had no idea that was even a thing. Yeah, same here. When you first told me about this, I was just 
in shock. I was in awe that this technology even exists and how yeah. incredible that you can look at it to the minute, the hour like that. It's just crazy. Exactly. And so what was happening, all the IUIs, the IVF that we did, we, we had to do a mock cycle in order to get to that point. So I had to go through all the injections all over again, like I was going to, but at least we were trying to get an answer and, and we did, we got one. Um, and it was really funny because after this extremely painful test, they said, well, we haven't gotten your test results back yet because they've gotten lost. And I was like, no. I'm not doing that test again. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so luckily they were able to find them. And that was kind of like an offshoot of the story that it was like, no, 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 you better find my yeah. <laughs> so, so we found out that, and it can also figure out, you know, if, if the, um, the acidity level is too high in your uterus, like this test is just absolutely amazing. Wow. And so with it being 17 hours earlier, like none of the other I, IUIs or IVFs would actually work. Like if we had never done this test, we would have continued to try, like I said, until I'm 90 years old and never even know. Wow. And so uh, we decided to do the next IVF and we didn't pick the embryo this time. We just told the nurse, we're like, you choose. I can't, I can't put that pressure on myself. Yeah. And, and I wanted that moment of like, it's a boy, it's a girl. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, uh, so they did it and they did it 17 hours earlier than they mm. would typically do it. And literally like the doctor has his watch out and he's like, okay, it's at the minute. Cause we don't know how long the window is open wow. because all the other times, like the oven was off when we tried to put the bread in. Mm. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. That's a good description. Yeah. <laughs> and so now the oven was on, but we don't know if the oven stays on for only a minute. Mm. And so literally down to the minute they transferred the embryo. And, uh, I, I just remember we um we had gotten the blood work done uh to find out if if we were pregnant and we went to McDonald's right afterwards and we're just sitting there and we're like honestly if this doesn't work I don't know if I can do this anymore like my husband's feeling this I'm feeling this it's like I can't I can't take this anymore like those injections are just Ooh, they are quite the, uh, the trial, but they're so worth it in the end. So worth it. <laughs> right now, you know, <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. But, uh, so we're sitting there and it's like, I was really scared. I was like, I feel like I'm losing my hope and my faith in this process. And it's good thing. God didn't take us further than that. Cause we probably would have given up, <laughs> but we, uh, I told my husband, I said, you know, I don't want to sit around the house waiting for this negative call. Like they always call it like 6 PM at the very latest time when it's a negative call, oh, no. but I, I didn't know on a positive call they'd call earlier. So we decided to go to Jurassic World to go see the movie in the movie theater, which we haven't done since before COVID. And it was really <laughs> cool. And about 20 minutes into the movie, we get a call from them. And so we're stepping out into the hallway and um, and uh, she says, you know, is Chris there with you? And I was like, that's weird. They never they never ask that. And uh, so I was like, yes. And And she said exactly what I had envisioned every single time I thought about it. Congratulations, Elise, you're pregnant. And I just, I just lost it. And I dropped to the floor in the movie theater and I just started bawling my eyes out <laughs> because I really wasn't sure if this was ever going to work, you know? And uh, in the movie theater manager, she comes over and she's like, is everything okay? Like, did someone just die? And I was like, I just found out I'm pregnant after 14 years of trying. Oh. And then she starts crying and my husband's like, are you sure it's Elise Smith? Like, double check the records. Are you sure it's her? Can you say it one more time? Can you say it one more oh. time? And uh, it was just, it was amazing. In that, like, that was seriously 
I mean, I, I loved marrying my husband, but that moment in mm-hmm. my life is like probably the greatest moment I've ever had in my entire life. And I didn't feel pregnant. And it was like, it was almost like we walked into the theater and I wasn't pregnant and we walked mm-hmm. out and I was. Felt it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, but, and, and since then, I mean, I, I feel like I just need to tell everybody about that ERA test because that can be something that can be the answer to your prayer as well. Like if you've had unexplained infertility and and I think you do have to have a failed IVF before you can be eligible to do this test, or at least that's how my doctor explained it. But when I look back on it and I think about all the times that I pled with God to just fix me, Mm. I was never broken. Mm. I didn't need healing. It was literally a timing issue. And I know that Mason, our beautiful three-month-old son, uh, was meant to come into this world at this time. And it would have been, I, I would have robbed him of his, his point in life right now if I had had him earlier. He was meant to come into the world at this exact moment in time. And even though the whole journey just sucked, <laughs> yeah. but there were good moments, of course, too, right? But even though it was really, really hard, I I can't question God's timing anymore because I know that this is exactly what it was meant to be. And I know not everybody's story ends up that way. I, I've been telling this story for years and years and years, and I never had the happy ending, right? Yeah. It was always just really trying to just talk about how to keep your faith and your hope during that really hard time. But now I get to, I get to hold my little baby boy and he has the cutest smile and I'm so enamored with him and just hearing that first cry for the first time and all of it is worth it. Every single needle, every single moment where you are on your knees, you know, praying to help get through it. It's all, all worth it. But I want you guys, if, if any of you guys are listening and you have unexplained infertility and you've had a failed IVF or you're ready to do an IVF and you're scared that, that ERA is, I mean, that's the answer to our prayers. We can't believe we still, we still can't believe that we got an answer and that we were able to have a baby like right then and there. And in theory, because now we know I'm 17 hours behind, we should be able to do our next IVF. And that should take really easily because we'll just do it 17 hours beforehand. That's incredible. Yeah. I just, I love that detail. I love that you didn't give up hope. I love the timing and how it just all worked out so beautifully and so perfectly. And you, I love to, you mentioned a few different things where you really visualized um, that phone call, right? So you talked about that phone call. Every time you picked up the phone, you were thinking, okay, they're going to say, congratulations, Lisa, I'm pregnant. Congratulations, I'm pregnant. Um, but then also your vision that you had, the dream that you were having, right? Mm-hmm. Um, about holding your baby. And now that's, that's reality, right? You can hold him in your arms. And it's just, I think the fact that you hung on to that and you really never stopped believing. And I think that that's really key because it can be so hard to keep up the hope and to keep up that persistence and that resilience. But um, yeah, I, I commend you. I think your, your story is just so inspiring and so encouraging. And I hope that this is an avenue for people who maybe have been searching for answers and aren't really sure what's causing that unexplained infertility. Uh, I wish this was more widely known. You were the first person that I'd even heard that this was available and that that test existed. So um, we definitely need to spread the word and get it out there and um, have more people look into it because it could absolutely be an answer to prayers. So that's amazing. 
Yeah, it definitely was. It's it's amazing how when the timing is right, things really do line up. I mean, every time that we went to do some kind of IUI or something like that, like I identified that I have Crohn's disease throughout this whole process. Like there's just pieces that kind of fell into place. Yeah. And because I have Crohn's, I now have to have a Humira injection every two weeks. So it got me a little bit more used to needles because yeah. the first time I have to tell you, the first time that we did a needle um, was to trigger my ovulation to do the IUI. And it was a needle in my stomach, which is really sensitive to have in your yeah. stomach. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I was so afraid of needles that my husband and I, we literally fought for like 45 minutes <laughs> and I almost poked him with a needle because Aww. every time I'd be like, okay, I'm ready. No, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I couldn't do it to myself. I can't do yeah. any needles to myself. So luckily my husband has the stomach for it and he's really wow. good at it. But for like the first like that first injection, I had to just, yeah. I fought him for like 45 minutes. He's like, I don't know how we're going to do IVF if you're going to fight me like this. And just taking that to the Lord and saying like, I need your help. Cause I didn't the first time yeah. I could see the difference of like, okay, I can do this. And I just reminded myself it's a moment in time. Mm. It's just a moment in time, like breathe through it because the, the, uh, progesterone injections, like the needles, like yeah. it's crazy, but if you can just breathe through it and just realize it's just a moment in time, it's not always, you're not going to be in pain like this forever. Yeah. Um, then it makes it a whole lot easier. That's true. That's so wise too. I feel like that applies to so many different parts of the journey too. Like I'm thinking yeah. even when you get your period and you're in that two week wait period, like that's a yeah. moment in time. And I think just staying present in that moment and knowing that it's not always going to be like this and hanging on to that hope or for your future. Um, I think that's such a good reminder and yeah, there's just so many good nuggets, so many, um, I guess just wisdom that you have poured into the listeners today. And I, I really just appreciate this so much, Elise. Um, tell me, I guess, before we wrap up, how has motherhood been for you? I know you said birth was just like, you know what? I got this. I can totally <laughs> do this. Um, is there anything you want to share about your birth story or your, um, introduction to motherhood? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the thing that I learned the most about going through labor and delivery and motherhood in general is that it doesn't have to look the way that you think it's going to look, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like yeah. there's so many people who had told me, you know, have your perfect birth, you know, plan laid out and, and it's okay if it totally goes out the window mm -hmm. and, and it totally did for me, but it was in a good way. Like, um, I worked with a hypnobirthing specialist to kind of prepare my mind. Cause I didn't want to be fearful for nine months. Like I always thought that when I found out that I was pregnant, I'd be like a ticking time bomb. Like eventually <laughs> I'm going to have to push this kid out <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, and the movies and, and the TV shows and all that, like they show these horrific scenes of women having babies and in like extreme, extreme pain. And I already knew I wanted an epidural and I already knew I wanted to learn some breathing exercises through hypnobirthing to be able to keep me as calm as possible. And so, um, the, the interesting thing I think that helped me in that process was to realize like birth does not have to be a traumatic experience. Mm. It doesn't have to be a terrifying experience that you can create what, what it is that you want. And I say, co-create with God, what it is that you want. And so I ended up, my, my birth ended up in a C-section, but honestly, it was exactly what I needed. Like the C-section recovery was totally fine. I only was on like four ibuprofen at the most for pain. So it really wasn't 
wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I have an incredible husband who took care of the baby, you know, really, really well while I was recovering uh, when I couldn't. And, and I think just letting go of expectations, whether it's in your fertility journey, whether it's through labor and delivery or actual motherhood, like I had to let go of every expectation that I had and just say, we have to do what's best for me and my family. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, breastfeeding was one of those things that I just, my body never actually went into labor. Um, They had to basically pull him out because he didn't want to come out. (laughs) (laughs) He liked it too much in there. Um, But uh, the the C-section was not something I planned, but it was exactly what I needed. And not breastfeeding was exactly what my family needed because now my husband can handle, you know, the bottle feeding when, when I'm, you know, doing calls or whatever. And so, and you can't judge each other and you can't judge yourself. Yep. It's you do what's good and best for you and your family and let go of all the other expectations. I love that. Yes, that's so important. I think a lot of topics around motherhood and everything can just be so polarizing and it really shouldn't be that way. I think we all just give each other a little grace, give yourself a little grace, you know, you just, you're making the best decision that you can for you and for your baby at that time with what you know and what you're able to do. And that is absolutely perfect. Every decision that you make as a mother is perfect. So I love that. Yeah. But it's been amazing. I mean, just to have him in our home and to see my husband as a father and uh, it's every single day. I'm so grateful. Even the moments where he's like screaming and crying, which he hardly ever does. He's a very chill baby, uh, which we're very blessed. (laughs) But you know, those moments where it becomes really hard in the moment, it's like, oh, I would take this over and over and over again, million times compared to what I just went through. And I think when you want something for so long and you try for so long, um, like I said, even if it's only six months, like you really appreciate it sometimes a lot more than you might have if you were able to get pregnant exactly when you wanted to. So every moment is such an incredible gift with him. Oh, that's beautiful. So I have one last question for you. Um, What does being a mother mean to you? (sighs) Oh, everything, right? Like we try not to put titles on ourselves and and to call ourselves, you know, different things. And that's like who, who we are and, and base our identity off of our titles. But for me, being a mom is, is just what I was meant to be. Like, I always knew it. I always knew that that's what I was supposed to be. And, and I know that it doesn't always turn out that way, but motherhood to me is, being able to just love someone completely and solely that is who you created. Like, it's so cool to see how he's like me and my husband all in this like perfect little mix. It was so funny. We were, we were like not even 24 hours after we had him. And I had moved wrong uh, and I was hurting. And I said, oh, and then Mason immediately, oh, this is like, did that just happen? Did he seriously just do that? (laughs) And so it's in those moments where it's like, regardless of any of the difficulties, because I know motherhood can be hard for sure. I've already seen a little bit of that and I'm sure it gets even worse and even better as you go through the process, right? Um, Is that just having that, that grateful heart and just knowing that I get to be his mom is the best thing ever. Oh, that's beautiful. And I'm just congratulations to you. I think that's so beautiful. 
Um, what a wonderful journey. So lastly, I just want you to be able to tell everybody, I know you mentioned a little bit more about your business and what you do, but um, what are some things that you're working on now? How can people find you? Um, and if they want to work with you, what would you like to tell them, I guess, about uh, what you do specifically? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love that I can tie the whole fertility process into, you know, sales goals in your business. It's very much the same kind of thing, right? Is that when God puts a goal on your heart, he is going to provide a way to be able to help you to achieve that. But we have to take steps in order to be able to follow that path that he's He's leading us on. And so um, as a Christian business strategist, like not only do I get to help people, you know, fulfill their goals and dreams through their revenue, but then they get to take that money and put it into, you know, different charities and maybe even into their own IVF fund or whatever that might be. And so it's all about helping them to achieve those goals that God has put on their heart. And we do that really through partnering with God in your business. And we take Fortune 500 company principles that are working for the big guys, and we look at them through the lens of the Bible so that you not only grow your organic reach and help those people that you're called to serve, but you gain a closer relationship with God in the process. So we're definitely not your normal business coach. We we look at that from everything about God and mindset as our foundation, and that holds up our seven pillars of a divinely successful business. So if you guys want to learn more, you can always go to our website at divinelydrivenresults.com. Um, and then also we have a free Facebook group for Christian women entrepreneurs to learn great tips on how to build your business in the Lord's way. You get to connect with other Christian women entrepreneurs, and you even get to advertise your business on Saturday. Saturday's comment thread. And that Facebook group is called Faithful Ladypreneurs. So come connect with us, come join our amazing community. Um, and personally, I'd love to connect with you if you're going through a hard time on your fertility journey. That is one of the greatest gifts that we get in this process is that we get to help other people in the process and connect with other people as well. And I think that's really that gift that you were just talking about, Clarissa. Like there's so many ways we can look at it as a gift if we choose to. Absolutely. Thank you for offering that for your time and for your services. And um, we will include all of those links in the show notes as well. And that way people can access it easily. So thank you so much for being here. This was such a joy. I really, truly appreciate it. Um, any parting words or any last words that you have to say? Don't give up, girl. I know it's hard. I know. I know it's hard, but um, I believe everything truly does happen for a reason. And um, and check out that test. If you feel like that is something that you are being called to check out, talk to your doctor about the endometrial receptivity array, the ERA. <laughs> I'm going to have to actually spell that out too. In the show. Yeah, that's, so <laughs> that's great. Thank you, Elise. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. All right, friend, that's it for today. It was great catching up with you though. And I can't wait to do it again next week. Can I just say, I really appreciate you being here, and it means so much that you took time out of your day to listen in. So what'd you think of the episode? Let me know if you enjoyed it by leaving a rating and review. It'll just take a second, and this simple act of generosity helps more women discover the podcast so they can feel supported on their fertility journey as well. Thank you for being so kind and paying it forward. Oh yeah, and by the way, if you're looking to connect with other women who are trying to get pregnant, then I've got just the place for you. Consider this your personal invitation to join the Fertility Friends community. It's a safe and supportive space to connect that's off of social media, and it's totally free. Head on over to blossomingfertility.com friends to join. 
I can't wait to welcome you inside. Take care, my friend.